So, Dan, um, I know you love podcasting and it's the best, but do you think maybe you could just, instead of doing the podcast, just tell me I'm pretty and maybe we could just just not do the podcast and just tell me how good and nice I, I am. I really want to do the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the podcast. You, um, you can leave. Oh, <laughs> what if I pay you? <laughs> pay me to do the podcast. Yeah, baby. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Indie Film Review with me, Dan. As always, there's also a Jared here. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys say who I am. That's part of the thing. Yes, 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 it is part of the thing. And the thing is independently reviewing independent films. Why do I reviewing? always say that? And the thing is, we are going to review for you an independent film, two today, to be exact, because we watched a short film and a long film. Short film, long film. But it wasn't really a long film. It was like a half-mast film. That's true. Uh, Not (laughs) half-mast. That makes it sound like we lost (laughs) someone and we're we're mourning the loss of something. Like it's not a full feature, but it's still... Here's what I call it. I, I call it a gentleman's film. It is Damn. a gentleman's film. I, I don't know. Like I, somebody film. at one point in film school like told me that it, a, a short film can be 45 minutes or less, and then everything else is a feature. It's like, but hour-long films don't feel very long to me. Mm. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. People yelled at me in film school a lot, and I cried. <laughs> they were like, it's like basic training at film school. Basically. They have you out in the desert. <laughs> what is this? A DSLR! <laughs> what does it do? Name all the different lenses or give me 20, private. <laughs> your F so, stops yeah. out of whack. That's right. <laughs> Everybody here is doing a lap because of your ass. Hey, the F stops here, buddy. The F stops here. (laughs) Guys, we watched two films. One was called Miss Freelance. That is the short film that was submitted to us by friend of the show, Timothy J. Cox. Motherfucker. You know what? He tricked me, Dan. He tricked me because I, I, for some reason, thought this was submitted by the director. Maybe it was. Maybe they both simultaneously. Don't blame him for your... (laughs) I'm absolutely blaming him. (laughs) Me, I just wanted to watch a simple short film. Uh, I'm a simple type of guy. Uh, I take the small pleasures in life, and then and what do what do we know? Who comes along? <laughs> Fucking Timothy J. Cox. He's like a little spice. Ooh, he's a little spice in my oatmeal. I'm like, oh, there he is. So I, I had like in the back of my head because I remember you said you're like, oh no, I think this is a, a Timothy J. Cox vehicle. And I was like, no, 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 no. Someone else submitted this. Someone else submitted this. And you were so right. I don't know. Maybe I was in denial. But uh, so, I, I, I'm i kidding because I love yeah. Timothy J. Cox. He's the best. He's uh, a powerhouse. So we're going to cover that movie. And then we're going to cover uh, Sean Rose, who did uh, a sequel, kind of? Like a documentary? It was Okay, so basically it's um, it's... It's akin to um, whenever Francis Ford Coppola was making Apocalypse Now in the mm-hmm. 70s, his wife took along a video camera, or not a video camera, a, a different camera, and she made a documentary called Hearts of Darkness, Fil- A Filmmaker's Apocalypse. And it's basically about him enduring the 
298-day chaotic shoot in Laos or wherever he was, I forgot, mm-hmm. or the Philippines. And it's it's a really awesome movie. So this film, Making and Unmaking by Sean Rose, is in the same vein. It's like it, it showcases where he was in his life, the struggles that he had um, mm-hmm. to overcome. And we got to see some of his early work. We got to see some of his storyboards. It was a pretty fun little uh, romp. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the original film we covered, like, ooh, way back. Oh, I don't even remember. I, I meant to look up the episode in like, number. In, like, the 10s and 20s, I think, it's Upstate Story. Yeah, which was also which, a very um, just philosophical, like, depressing movie, but it was wonderful. <laughs> a very personal film. Yes. And now from watching Making and Unmaking, we find that uh, the film could have been way more depressing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the film was actually set to be... Like, ten times more depressing. So, uh, very interesting film. We will get to that. But first, we're going to talk about Miss Freelance, directed by Matthew Kyle Levine. And written, um, I believe. Jared, yes. question. Yes. I think this is going to be an interesting question. An interesting question that we may not want to talk about, but sure. it's a question. Is it... Too soon or too bad of taste to make a weird, rapey Bill Cosby joke? <laughs> I I don't think so. It was... Was it played for laughs? I don't know. That's the thing. That's why I can't... Because like, I'm a big proponent of, like, there's no such thing as too soon. And there's it, comedy is everywhere and you can find... Like, the sooner the better with some jokes. But, like, for some reason, this joke in particular didn't land if it Mm. was supposed to be a joke. I mean, context is everything when telling a joke, I believe. And in this instance, I didn't think the joke was offensive. I just, I almost didn't even see it as a joke. It was, like, more of a reference to me, like... Hey, remember when Bill Cosby raped a bunch of people? That is... That's probably what my hangup is. It wasn't a joke. It was just a reference. I'm like, why are we bringing this up? Like, Strange. So the idea is Miss Freelance is a woman who just goes around New York State or New York City and um, just kind of indulges men in their fantasies. Yes. And that's why she's called Miss Freelance. And the very first person she hooks up with, he's like, here's Rohypnol. And she's like, what, do you want me to take it? And he's like, no, I'm going to take it and you're <laughs> going to take advantage of me. And he says... And I quote, um, the classic Bill, that, that's what it was, the, the word, you know, the classic Bill Cosby thing, but you know, in reverse. It's like, why are we calling Bill classic? Cosby a classic? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what bothered me about it. Strange. <laughs> this film is interesting for a couple reasons. One. A lot of the different scenes feel like vignettes or That's short exactly stories is, yes. within the short story. Uh, Which, and- you know, was was pretty amazing because I think they pulled off a lot of, you know, you don't have a lot of time to tell these vignettes because mm-hmm. the whole film is like, what, 14 minutes long, something like that? Yeah. And so you, you have like maybe five, four to five minutes per vignette and all of the implied story is there. Like, mm-hmm. you can get a lot out of it just by, you know, watching the images and then thinking about the implications of those images. 
Yeah, I think the lead role does a really good job in this. Mm -hmm. I liked how we would have a vignette and they would cut back to her like at home watching TV. But my second point is every single shot in this short film is all close up. Mm -hmm. Everything is a close up. There's maybe one tracking shot where it's like a medium close where the camera is following the main character through the subway and everything. And I, I have to assume all the extras in this are just real people. Yeah, that absolutely. Um, and that was so well done. Um, how did how did the close up ness of this film make you feel while watching it? Did it affect you? Yes, because the film's um, message or the film's theme that I picked up on was um, a a crisis of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, close-ups are just that. They're very intimate. So you spend this whole film very close to this woman, and she has this obsession with almost... It's almost like an addiction to, like, this intimate thing where she's obsessed with guys spending money on her to be this mutual sex partner, essentially. Mm -hmm. That's basically what she's turning into. But then why does she get sick and throw up afterwards. That's, that was the thing I was like, that I'm not the disconnect there because she feels, it seems like she's really into the sex and everything else. And then afterwards she throws up or she gags or like other, you know what I think it is happening. You know what I think it is? Yeah. I think it's because that guy, um, he brought attention to the fact that his penis was so small and she didn't realize it at first. So whenever, whenever she's like, wait, your penis is small. What? And she sees it and she's like, oh, (laughs) obviously a joke there. It was interesting to me because I don't, I don't think at first I understood what the film was about. I felt a little lost, but I I think you explaining it to me has helped. So you have this scene between Timothy J. Cox and Maddie Murphy. They play husband and wife. So Maddie Murphy is the girl who is going out and a lot gets revealed in this conversation between these two characters. They are husband and wife and the husband's like, Hey, where have you been? Like it's been three weeks and you haven't called or texted. You just left. Mm -hmm. You can't just do that. We're in a relationship and she does not talk. And he keeps pleading with her to please talk to me, please talk to me. And she won't talk. And then she finally utters something. She's like, listen, I haven't loved you for a while, and these men that I, I, I've been hooking up with men, they're paying me to have sex with them, and it's a mutual thing, which mm. that mm. is, I think that's the the problematic um, crisis in this film. It's a, like I said, a crisis of in- intimacy. She thinks that it's very a mu- very much a mutual thing, but she learns later on at the end that it's not, and she kind of comes to terms with it. And the ending is kind of ambiguous in that way. Well, it's a job. I mean, that's kind of a how I view it. Well, it's yes, it is a job, but she's not doing it for a job. Exactly. And that's what that's where the confusion, I guess, comes from with her character. No, she's doing um, it because she wants she wants to it's not that she's trying to add rungs to her bedpost. It's just that she wants that initial, you know, intimacy with a new partner. Yes. And she wants I think it she to be has mutual. a whole 
that she is in her life or something. There's something about her that she's trying to fit a peg into. Yes. Uh, uh, pardon. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, there's there's something going on there where she's trying to fulfill a need and it's not getting met. I here's a theory for you. I thought okay, so Timothy J. Cox, he was great in this. Mm. Uh, a fun fact: he filmed his scene in an hour. Really? Which it kind of felt like that, yeah, because it felt like all of that was like one seamless kind of take. So it's like, hey, they're sitting on the bed and then he leaves. So I can, I can definitely believe that. But so he comes in, he does his scene, and it kind of felt like to me that. That wasn't her husband. That this was just someone else playing a role with her. Oh. And and he was jealous because he was paying her to see him and he has become attached to her. And, and Dude, he's like, I think hey, that's what it is. You can't see other men. I want you to only see me. And she's like, I'm I'm already bored of you. I'm moving on. I'm you Dude, know. Dude, that's like, exactly what it is. I now I see okay on. that 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 completely changes the way I'm looking at this film now. I thought she was just a woman who was like going through a midlife crisis. Mhm. Yeah. So, you know, I just wanted another way to think about it cuz it is pretty ambiguous as to what the dealio is. Yeah, and they never label um any of these people. They just talk about them like, you know, they're her Johns essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, pretty interesting film. You got me again, Tim. You tricked me. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I liked it. Film. It was well acted. It was well shot. Like you said, everything's in close mm-hmm. up. That's very hard to pull off, especially making it interesting because you know those wide shots will you know orient viewers. And the fact that you mm-hmm. didn't have anything to orient your viewers, you know, it was very. It, it, it could become disorienting. But like I said, there's like that crisis of intimacy, and I think that's what the the cinematography was was picking up on in terms yeah, of the yeah. story. Yeah. I think a lot of it was good. I, if I had to complain, I would say the writing uh, was a little lacking in certain spots to where I'm just kind of like, well, like the Bill Cosby thing and some of the other, inter- like when that one character was like, Hey, is my penis too small? It felt like such a weird, I don't know. It felt, it felt like out of place. Like it was like, why are we even having this conversation? It, I don't know. It was like, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that's because we just, didn't we weren't able to spend enough time with each character and you know that is always going to be a symptom of short films and that's a short film issue which yeah. is you know not much you can do about that all right well anywho um, thanks Jared, again what's up is my penis too small <laughs> um when it's you know don't next sh- to my tiny hands sh- don't sh- oh. whisper i don't want people to know this whisper is my penis too small yes uh, so, Making and Unmaking, Sean Rose, thank you so much for um, submitting this film to us. I Also, thank you guys for waiting for us to review these films, because there's a lot of people waiting, I know, and our queue is just really long, <laughs> so we're trying to get through it. We're doing our best, so thanks again. Um, you know what is not story. long? Oh. <laughs> oh. Moving onward. So, yeah. Upwards and onwards. Upwards and onwards. Always growing, always showing. Here we yes. go. Making and <laughs> unmaking. So I think we already kind of talked about uh, what the film is basically about. Yes, it's a documentary about um, Upstate Story. And yeah. and But it's even more than that. It's yeah. about this filmmaker's struggle with making film, dealing with depression. It talks about his earlier works, like we're saying, of uh, films that 
uh, never got made, the unmaking thing, and then making. And, like, basically midway through him making a film, big event, like, life events happen that, like, coincide with the actual film he's making Mm -hmm. to where um, life starts to imitate the art Art, that he was originally planning to make. It gets so crazy. Pretty interesting stuff. So, okay, Dan, uh, why don't we do a little bit of questions first, and then we can get into Sure, 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 sure. Jared, if you were making a film, okay, and this shit happened to you, would you still make your film? Would I still continue to make it? Um, Knowing me, I'd probably give up. (laughs) (laughs) If all this insanity happened to me, but here's the thing, he, he puts it in such a way that, like, a lot of this bad stuff that happened to him, which we will get into making the film and finishing it really helped him. It was a very therapeutic thing. Mm-hmm. So it all depends on how compelled I was, I guess, to actually do it. Yeah. I don't know. I probably give up like a coward. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, uh, my question for you is, was the camera work in this film enough to hold your attention throughout and you can give like specific scenes where maybe it was better or worse. So the only thing that I had a problem with in terms of camera work is the, and it's not necessarily camera work. It's, it's more editing. Yeah. Um, just, there were so many shots that were contemplative. Yes. But then other shots didn't necessarily need to be contemplative and they could have been cut off shorter. Okay. And in interest of the story, like he just lets the camera roll a little bit too long. And that's just, that might just be my, my personal preference. Like I, I just didn't see any meaning in it. Therefore I am like, okay, let's get to the next idea. But so maybe a little bit quicker on the end of scenes. Yeah. Editing those. Okay. Yeah. Like he, um, he seems to like to steal a, a line from, from Grizzly man. He seems to hesitate before leaving his shots. Hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes I, I did think it was effective, but yeah, maybe overusing it is not good. Yes. So, no, you're right. There were certain signs like, oh, that was a nice hold. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, I find watching Sean is very compelling. Mm-hmm. I, there's something melodic about his voice that is absolutely. Nice to and then, to. oh my God, there's this one scene where he's just like, you know, I got really depressed one time and I just started writing shit down. I'm like, oh my God, like everything he wrote down was so bad yeah. and depressing. <laughs> it's, he's a very compelling character to dive into. I, I will say, I, I wish he maybe put some more people in front of the camera mm-hmm. to be interviewed. People maybe around his orbit. I mean, like think about daddy. how insane it would be if he got his ex-wife to be in this film. I know. Yeah, but we can't fault them for that. Like, yeah, that's a that's a really tough hill to climb. I don't know if he could ever do that because she plays a role in this for sure. I would say so. Camera work and and whatnot. What I was talking about before, there were certain shots where he would he had like a medium close and he he do like a close up, and then he go from that he cut back to the medium close, but it's all the same like straightforward shot. Mm. He would kind of do that back and forth. And I don't, it just, that kind of stuff bothers well, okay, so me. I, I need to either cut to a different angle or um, you can go from like medium close to close, but don't go back. In terms of the talking head, he did a lot of experimentation with it. There was one point where the talking head um, became a close up of his face. I'm like, whoa, I've never seen mm. this before. So 
I think this documentary is still in that spirit of, you know, just independent filmmaking. It's like, I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to submit it. You know, I have another question for you too. So, okay. He does a lot of soft focus in this Mm -hmm. movie. How did that affect you viewing the film or did you even notice it? Were you just like, ah, just watching the movie? No, I noticed it. It didn't really, it didn't really give me something to, um, cling on to and analyze if that made any sense. Like, okay. I yeah, didn't, that's I fine. didn't take a specific kind of meaning out of it. I, I mean, I like soft focus and I think it was done tastefully. Okay. But the, like, I some just of don't it, know if it was intentional or not. Yeah, no, I think some of it was, some of it wasn't. That's the thing okay. because there were some parts of it. I'm like, huh, that was just probably like a weird racking thing. But then there were other parts where I'm like, okay, no, like I like what this is looking like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay. Let's, let's get into the movie. So, making it unmaking, this story starts... So You can find this on YouTube. Yes. There will be yes. a link in the show uh, notes. Absolutely. Um, where was Miss Freelance at? I forget. Was that Vimeo? Vimeo? Yeah, Vimeo. So, Miss Freelance is on Vimeo. Uh, making it unmaking, Sean Rose. You can find that on YouTube. Or look up Upstate Story, which is the more... That's the one that, that'll probably uh, get you to his page faster. So this movie, it's it's broken up into different parts, which I liked, but sometimes he would be like, part two, he'd like go to a part and it'd be like a straight on shot of him talking, and then it would go to like part whatever, like the next part, and then it would cut to the exact same shot, mm-hmm. and it kind of felt weird. I almost, like, if you're going to break it up into chapters, it, you, you have to at least keep my attention by either uh, moving where the set, like where we're going to be speaking or where we're going. Um, the metaphorical say, page turn, if you will. Yeah, I guess so. I will say I was really engaged in this movie uh, for the majority of the film, like right from the get go. It was like, mm. man, this is really interesting. And my interest did start to wane a little towards the end, which we'll talk about. But uh, he, he goes into like, okay, I'm making this film with, I believe his then wife. And then he has an unexpected pregnancy. Then he gets, uh, a mini stroke and then he breaks up with his wife and he has to move out. And there's like so many things happening to him, like in the middle of him trying to film, like make this film. And it, it took him like four years, I believe to make it. So he's going through all this stuff. And then finally he is able to finish it. But, uh, him talking about his earlier works with like that basketball movie where the oh person like breaks their legs. Mm-hmm. There's an amazing sequence. And Sean, I, I want you to just, Pay attention to this, because this is such a cool idea. He shows his storyboard, mm-hmm. and he does voiceover of his storyboard, intercut with actual scenes from the movie, and it's going through the film, and he's showing you how much of that film he had finished, and because he had, uh, eventually gave up on it because of everything that was going on in his life. But I was so engaged in this. I'm I like, loved This is it. such a good idea. Make a movie like this. <laughs> Just have storyboard half film not. Where yes, where half of the film is a storyboard. Like hire an art. So like do your storyboard right, then hire an artist to to make the storyboards look really good. And but make them make it so that they definitely look like storyboards and have that just interlaced into the film at different times. I just think it's such a cool idea. 
I mean, and then you could just make it so much about filmmaking in general, yes. because like the know. the whole like the the form of the film itself is letting you know that it is a film. Like it's yeah. it's a beautiful yeah. idea for sure. I was so into it. Is there a scene you want to talk about, Dan? Um, well, I mean, you talked about the scene already, like that that one scene that you're talking about, um, where it's I think it was chapter three, where it goes from storyboard to um, you know, real life. It was. It, just so interesting to listen to filmmakers talk about their craft. Like yes. there's this one scene at the very beginning where he's talking about it and it was supposed to be like a bouncy ball bouncing down a road. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a vacant shot of a road. He's like, yeah, I grew up here yeah. and the bouncy ball was supposed to go down this road and go down this road and hit a skateboard ramp and go off into oblivion. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what a kinda cool. great way to like, signify I'm leaving where I'm growing up or something like that. I like, I want to see Sean do some surrealist weird stuff. Yes. Like that sounds fun to me. I think he could make a really cool, like surrealist clerks type of Mm -hmm. film. He has that energy to him. Oh dude. Yes. That energy that like kind of, Oh man. It's, it's like if you keep that energy of like that, that kind of humble dude, that's, a little bit on the tinge of pessimistic and mm-hmm. just can see the good and the bad in life, but then add a little bit of comedy flair to that. Yeah. So it's, it, you ground yourself in realism, but then make mm-hmm. us laugh. Oh my God. Absolutely. And, the, and you're Thank already you. filming in black and white. So like, what the fuck? Hell man? yeah, dude. <laughs> like, hell yeah. Perfect. You know, funny enough. Um, the, uh, the small red ball was actually going to be played by Timothy J. Cox, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> He, he said he could film his entire scene in an hour, and they told him, no, 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 you, you have to stay longer. And he's, he's like, no, nah, you know what? You know what? I pass. And then he opened his umbrella up, and he just flew away like Mary Poppins. I mean, what a guy. What a guy. He really picks and chooses his roles, and that's what I respect about Timothy J. Cox. He's a true patriot. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> That's going to be my new running joke in every single film that Timothy J. Cox turned down this movie because such and such reason. Oh, uh, because... man, Tim, if you're still listening, we love you. That was that was just we a do, wonderful we joke. We do love you. We, you're the best. You are the best. We really do enjoy your work, and we're terrible people. Anyways, okay. Is there another scene <laughs> you want to talk about? Was. Um, so I liked all the scenes of him running the festival circuits because it lets me know that there are like just so many independent film festivals. Yeah. So many. Cause he, he just, he went everywhere that he could go to that was pretty close. And, um, just, he met filmmakers and like, you can tell that these were like backyard mom and pop film festivals, but that yeah, just, yeah. that adds to the charm, I think. And it's like, maybe I want to fucking submit a film to one of these places. Hell yeah. It gets me hyped for that stuff. I just felt like a lot of that, some of those just kind of went on for too long. Like there was mm-hmm. a scene where they did this, uh, this like 360 rotation of the I camera. Like that. You because did? I like the mountains. I don't know. <laughs> I was kind of like, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. That was kind of where I was a little waning on the film, where I was like, this is cool that, like, this is, like, the this is like the peak of the film. Or, actually, this is the, really the falling action, where mm-hmm. he has succeeded, and he's, yeah. he's he's made his film finally, and, he's, and people are getting to see it, and this is awesome, and the festivals. I like that idea. I just feel like it went on for a little too long. 
Mm-hmm. I was kind of getting bored there, and that was probably I mean, the I, only time I was. I, I I I will agree with that, but I just I was so fascinated by the fact that these are just little tiny film festivals that you know I'd never even heard of, and like they, yeah 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 they for sure are, they have such a a fervor and love of film that they put these on for. Oh. They're everywhere, man. It's crazy. It's it's awesome. Another scene I really liked where it was whenever he was talking about his collaboration with his um, musician, and I believe the musician's oh, yeah, name because is Jacob he says Jacob like, Veitch or Jacob Veitch, Jacob W. Veitch. I don't know. Yeah, but because he says that uh, he owes a lot to the music, absolutely. And, and I that music is amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it I really agree. elevates like, the film. The the film and the music they sing together very well. And I, I hope that he collaborates with them more for sure, because you know, they, they both had like Sean had a vision and it just, it was like a perfect storm because the music complemented that vision. And he's like, Ooh, what? And then he like, he replayed some scenes with that music and mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, now I remember all of this good stuff. Yeah. Like that song, the way. Mm-hmm. So good that like, I don't know how it goes, but it's really good. <laughs> I love that song. Um, yeah, I, I want to like go look up that music again because it's so good. Uh, okay, one final thing we have to talk about is Sean's beard throughout this. And he uses it as his logo because his logo is like a cartoon version of his face mm-hmm. with, with this weird Amish beard that he has and his glasses or whatever. Or, uh, no, I don't think he has glasses. Yeah, he does. He does? I don't remember. Anyways, but he's got that Amish beard, and it's... I thought he was doing it as a gimmick, because it's like it's such a distinguishing thing, mm-hmm. where people would be able to recognize you, be like, oh, okay, this is a Sean Rose thing. Like, that's just what he does. It's like a... Uh, yeah. What's, what, yeah, gimmick, I guess, is the word, word I a already signature. said. But, signature, thank you. But at the end of the film, he symbolically shaves it off because he said he was growing it out in a superstitious way because he's like, okay, I didn't want to shave it until I was done completing the feature. And I thought that was so interesting Mm -hmm. that he put this weird, like, self-motivation on him to to be like, no, 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 you do not have the privilege of shaving this until, until you're done. But then I think about, like, well, how does his girlfriend feel about that? Like, how does everyone in his <laughs> life feel about this? He's got to have this scraggly, weird beard. So, uh, and you look so much better without the beard. Come on. Oh, he even knows He that. knows He it. even says, I hate facial yeah, hair. He said he hates it. <laughs> <laughs> so that just made me laugh a lot. And it was, like, a really g- great way to end the film. And an awesome line. As soon as he shaves his beard... He turns and looks at the camera. Uh, he's talking to his, uh, his, his girlfriend or his, his wife. I I apologize girlfriend. if I'm getting it wrong. Well, I, I think it might be fiance. I don't he know. turns to her and he's like, I think it's time for a haircut, though. And then the film ends. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, that was great. That was wonderful. Oh, one question for you, Dan. Do you think any of this was scripted? Like, how heavily scripted do you think this documentary was? I would be surprised if it was. Okay. I'm wondering now. I don't know. I feel like a lot of what he said was very organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and he took he he took a lot of time to get some things out so you could tell he was thinking about it as he was going. So maybe he did have like talking points. Yeah. And he was just thinking about them as he went. But like I kind of like because him thinking about what he has to say made it more methodical and made it more yeah. um, just deliberate. Yes. Really. 
absolutely talking points. I think, um, I don't think this was scripted, but Hey, maybe he'll tell us and let us know. So, uh, final thoughts, Dan, what do you think? I'm just, I'm in love with, with, with filmmaking in general. So it's always fun for me to watch these, these filmmaking journeys. Um, for our listeners, definitely check out his, like, if you want a good independent, um, just bleak story mm-hmm. that like, cause it, it has these elements that are positive, but he's, he's trudging through life with only these things as positive beacons, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, upstate story is about. And I think it was a really good. And film. when you and watch it, like through the lens of he's battling depression throughout the entire film mm-hmm. and how the first part of the film is completely different from the last part of the film. And like literally in terms of time, distance, his where he was in his life, like it's it's so interesting to me how that all played together. Um, I, so I would I would recommend watching Upstate Story if you're a big cinephile nerd who likes to watch no budget indies. Um, and then if you like that, just watch the watch the complimentary making and unmaking documentary because yeah. you'll just dive more into what's going on in in the psyche of. Uh, of Mr. Rose. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, filmmaking is fascinating. If you like filmmaking, you would like this documentary. Um, very engaging. I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, you know, it, it really held my attention for uh, just being a lot of, like, single camera straightaway shots. You know what I mean? Of just somebody talking. Yeah. Because I was just so interested in his story about, you know, what, what was going on there. But, yeah. Cool stuff. Thanks again, everybody, for uh, sending your stuff. Um, uh, we appreciate it. Absolutely. You. you can send it to us on Twitter at IndieFilmPod. You can send it to us on Instagram at IndieFilmReviewPod. Mm. You can email us at TheIndieFilmReview at gmail.com. Jared's making faces at me. Make him <laughs> Dan, you cut out, but I'm hoping that was good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, please tell other people about the show. If you like the show, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, do not hide your kids from it. Do not hide your wife from it. They might (laughs) like it. So let them know. That's a fun joke for the kids. They'll love it. Um, we're topical. We're topical. We're like the cream. Like preparation age. Oh, yes. Feels good on the whole, my friend. That's another topical joke for you there, bud. Um, <laughs> let other people know about the show. Give us a five-star review on wherever you actually do that. Uh, that would be really cool. And, hey, if you like, if you just want to send us an email and say, hey, we like the show, or uh, I have a question I want to ask you guys about a film or something, I'll, we'll take those. And if we get questions, we'll read them on here and we'll talk about them. Maybe we'll make like a thing of it. Fan mail. Yeah, we could do fan mail stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, keep those submissions coming. We're we're into it. We love it. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Dan. Oh, I forgot. The Necropodicon Network. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, we're part of the Necropodicon Network. If you like our show. You're really going to like all the other cool shows on there. Uh, there are movie podcasts. There are podcasts about like like spooky stuff. There's podcasts uh, where uh, improv happens. They got D&D podcasts. There's like a ton of things on there. So, yeah, go check out the Necropodicon.com. They're on Twitter. They're on all over the place. 
you can even uh, click a link to the Discord on that site and uh, come hang out with us if you want to. It's okay if you don't. I mean, me and Dan are pretty boring. You know, we just kind of like sit around and... We know. are. So anyways, Dan, you have the final word. <laughs> I'm going to make and unmake a sandwich. <laughs> and then I'm going to eat and uneat yeah. it. <laughs> it's because it's going to be poop. <laughs> and then I'm going to shit and unshit. Oh, no! Back and forth forever. <laughs> yes. Empires, demons, apples, mice, gnomes, barbarians, saxophones, dice. Fate of Ison is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast from New Zealand. The players are comedians, and the Dungeon Master is very, very patient. Check out fateofison.com to discover fan art, cast profiles, and a whole new world of adventure. Necropoticon. Hard to pronounce? Easy to listen.